Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. Dan, there's no question that Jimmy Hoffa, as he went up through the ranks to the presidency, was phenomenal for men and women who were Teamsters building that union. He did a great job for them. Well, I think that he was, I think he, he was like Walter Ruther at first. He was a potential great working class hero, a champion of the working man, um, a hero of the rank and file. But then when he made his pact with the mob That's what back in the early 1940s, he went from potentially a great le- labor leader to really nothing more than a labor racketeer. And that diminished him for the rest of his career. I mean, he, was, he tried to always pretend like he kept the mob at arm's distance. But, in fact, he was in bed with the mob from beginning to end of his career. And in in the end, it was the mob that took his life away. Well, he financed through the Teamster Pension Fund Las Vegas through the mob. Absolutely. I mean, I don't think he ever said no. I knew some people who owned the Aladdin at the time who got Teamster money years ago. Detroit. Uh, Detroit people, right? Detroit and St. Louis people. Right. And and, uh, they did say one thing. They said that the Teamster Pension Fund did not lose money on the Vegas investments. What do you think of that? Um, yes, I, 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 that's, that's Jimmy Hoffa. That was his legacy. His legacy was institutionalizing organized crime in America. I, I say at the beginning, of, on the first sentence of Chapter 1 of my book, The Hoffa Wars, which came out 43 years ago, I said, Wow. Jimmy, Jimmy Hoffa's most valuable contribution to the American labor movement came at the moment he stopped breathing on July 30th, 1975. And the reason why I said that was because when Hoffa disappeared, it was the, it was the, the launch, the liftoff of the federal government's um, re, um, refinancing, re, re-educating uh, the movement against organized crime uh, in America. It, 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 was, it, it precipitated one of the biggest wars on organized crime ever launched after Hoffa disappeared since the Kennedy administration. When you had, when you had John Kennedy as president of the United States, you had Bobby Kennedy, who was uh, special, who was counsel of the Senate Rackets Committee, mm-hmm. from 1957 and 1960, the McClellan Committee, the the. Bob Kennedy was eating mob guys for breakfast back then. And Going then after became, the Teamsters like crazy, wasn't he? Absolutely right, George. And then, and then when he became Attorney General under his under his brother in 1961, he started eating mafia guys for lunch and dinner too. Uh, he was he, Bobby Kennedy was the greatest crime fighter this country has ever had, and um, my respect for him is enormous. And um, used to say and, and after, in the end, I think it was Bob Kennedy's war on organized crime, which led to his brother's murder. No, there's no, no question about that. I was the I was the first reporter in the Hoffa Wars to say that this was a mob hit, that this was um, that this was Jimmy Hoffa, that this was a New Orleans mafia guy named Carlos Marcello, that it was a, a Tampa mafia guy named uh, Santo Traficani, that they had arranged and executed the murder. And then a year after my book came out, the U.S. House Select Committee on Assassinations came out with his final report saying that Hoffa, Marcello, and Traficani had motive, means, and opportunity to kill the president. And the chief counsel of the committee, Bob Blakey, the world's greatest expert on organized crime, said the mob did it. It's a historical fact. I believe that then, and I believe that today. And they all hated Bobby Kennedy with a passion. But they felt, if you just go after Bobby, John, the president's going to come after us viciously. Exactly. So right. we got to remove him. There was there was there was a month in September 1962 when a an informant an FBI informant named Grady Parton came in and testified against Hoffa and the reason why he decided to flip and turn state's evidence was that Kennedy wanted to kill Bobby Kennedy 
excuse me, Hoffa wanted to kill Bobby Kennedy, not just Bobby Kennedy, but he wanted to kill his entire family with plastic explosives. And Carlos Marcelo, that same month, was talking to an FBI informant, and he said to him, listen, if we decide, if Bobby Kennedy winds up getting killed, just as you said, George, that the president will get another attorney general and he will be ferocious on the mafia. So we've got to get, you know, we've got to get the president. And then Santo Traficani was talking to another FBI informant, a guy named Jose Aleman, and during their conversation, uh, they were talking about the 1964 election and that Kennedy probably had it in the bag that he was going to be reelected. And Traficanti said quite ominously, no, Jose, he's going to be hit, and Jimmy Hoffa's making the arrangements for the president's murder. And then the attorney for Hoffa, Marcello, and Traficanti, they shared the same attorney, a guy named Frank Regano out of Tampa, and he said that he had carried the message from Hoffa to Marcello and Traficanti to have the president murdered. The, 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 Bob, the, the John Kennedy murder was a mob hit. Um, and it and wasn't Bob just was, Oswald, if it was Oswald I, that, at all. I don't, as far as the shooting goes, I know nothing about that. that. That crime scene is a disaster area, and I just I have no idea what, what that one's about. The Bob Kennedy murder, that's a different case. I, I can discuss that. But the, and that was, in my opinion, that was Sirhan did it, and he did it alone. I spent a lot of time with Sirhan. And, um, but on the John Kennedy case... The mob did it. It's a historical fact, just as Professor Blakey said. Why do you think in, uh, in all this that's been going on, our government has not gone after the perpetrators, who most of them are dead now, but to get the truth out, to let us know exactly what you've been saying? I read your report you had in uh, 2017 that you presented to the Mob Museum. Right. And it was, to, to me, this is the Warren Report. This is what should have been turned in. Well, Trump had the ability, while he was president, to release all the files, and he made the decision not to release the JFK files. He made that decision. So, What do you think's in those files, Dan? I cannot believe that the Warren Commission people, I mean, you had Alan Dulles there, the former director of the CIA. You had, you had this situation where it was understood that the CIA had been trying to kill Fidel Castro, that the CIA had been working with the mafia to kill Fidel Castro. And the same mafia guys who they were working with were the same mafia guys who hated uh, John Kennedy. And I can't believe that if that had not become an issue, uh, a, 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 a discussion during the Warren Commission, then it wouldn't have created a whole new avenue of investigation for the Warren Commission. So... You know, the, the CIA, I know a lot of CIA guys, but they're all trained to lie. And, uh, you know, I, I, I find very, hard, very few intelligence reporters who aren't owned by their sources. And so as a consequence of that, it's, you know, it's something I avoid. When you're dealing with organized crime, as I do, I mean, it's, it's much more easy. It's easier to recognize the good guys from the bad. And I think one of the other big problems, too, of course, is the way that they just continue. Hoover, Hoover you know, the FBI director at the time, was convinced from the get-go that Oswald was the lone gunman and refused to accept any conspiracy talk. There was a lot of talk about Hoover and his conflicts of interest with regard to certain mob guys, and, and that his, 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 he came to the table... He, he never admitted the, the mob existed. Well, he came to the table late, that's for sure. I mean, he, he admitted it finally, he, that there was a national crime syndicate. But once again, he came to the table late on that. And I think that's one of the, one of the secrets that Jimmy Hoffa was harboring 
And one of the one of the dangers, because remember, Hoffa was midst, was killed in the midst of the church committee hearings, which were investigating the right. CIA mafia plots to kill Castro. I believe, in short, that the CIA mafia plots to kill Castro, after they compromised the CIA and the intelligence community, the mafia had compromised the intelligence community. I think that it evolved into a um, I think it evolved into a, a, a conspiracy against um, the president of the United States. And again, I I, I use a conspiracy you know, with, with, with respect, because I investigate organized crime, which by definition is uh, enterprise crime, uh, crime by association. It is conspiracy crime. So as a consequence, I've investigated a lot of conspiracies. I always have been thinking, too, uh, up until your work, trying to figure out why would they kill Jimmy Hoffa if he merely wanted to come back and become the president of the Teamsters Union again? I, mean, I think it's as you suggested. I think that he he was he was talking. He was he was a threat to them, and I think as a consequence of that, he he had to go. Now, the FBI had after the grand jury investigation. And I was there at the, at the federal courthouse that day on December fourth, nineteen seventy five, when they had that hearing, and the Bergoglios and the Andretis were there. The FBI took Picardo's information, the informant's information, and they went to Brother Moscato's dump, and they did a, they with a search warrant which they presented to the two owners of the dump, Brother Moscato, and to Paul Coppola, his partner in PJP Landfill. And they didn't have a specific place to look in this 54-acre dump, and they just really couldn't do very much. Um, later on, after I interviewed Hoffa's killers, after I interviewed the Bergulios and the Andrettas, I then got to, I got to Phil Moscato, the, the underworld figure who owned Moscato's dump, or co-owned it with Paul Coppola, and Phil Moscato, I, I, uh, he was giving me information with the frequency that a kosher butcher sells pork chops. But over the period of about seven years, I had numerous recorded conversations with him, during which he told me that in Act 1 of the Hoffa case, that Hoffa was not picked up by Chucky O'Brien, his foster son, that Hoffa was picked up by Vito Giacalone, the brother of Tony Giacalone, uh -huh. who was one of the three men who Hoffa was supposed to meet that day, that in Act 2, that it was Sal Bergoglio who in fact killed Jimmy Hoffa, and that in Act 3, Hoffa was stuffed into a 55-gallon drum, loaded onto a gateway transportation truck, and shipped to New Jersey where he was buried at Brother Moscato's dump. And you think he is there now? I, I, um, yeah, I, what, what happened was that I, in February of 19, of 2019, I received a call from a gentleman named Paul Coppola Jr., who was the son, the youngest son of Paul Coppola Sr., who was, who was Phil Moscato's partner at Brother Moscato's Dump. Uh, Paul Coppola Jr. is a businessman down in Florida, and he said that he thought that his brother might know something, his brother Frank might know something, and so obviously I wanted an introduction that introduction didn't come until September of 2019 when I got him on the phone and we had about six conversations over the phone and then I said, we've got to meet, during which he, could, he gave me the whole story as to what happened. Why would he do that? He was, his father had decided that it was his father who died in 2008, he gave him a, it was his father, Paul Coppola, buried Jimmy Hoffa's body. And he buried him at Brother Moscato's dump, actually off-site on Brother Moscato's dump, on state property, which is under the Pulaski Skyway, which is the bridge that connects uh, Jersey City and Newark. And so, so uh, Paul Coppola told his son before he died that he wanted Hoffa to be returned to his family and that he, was, uh, that he encouraged his son to look for the opportunity to make that happen. And when he heard about me, and again, I... 
you know, I, I, in my opinion, I own this case. He was talking to the right guy who knew what to do with that information. And so I said, let's get together. So I paid for him to come up to uh, New Jersey, and um, he lives out in Florida. And he said um, we were having dinner um, with his girlfriend on September 28, 2019. And he said, I said, I'm going to go to the dump tomorrow. I haven't been there for many years. But he had told me, you know, the, the mechanics of what had happened. And I said, hey, man, you're taking me with you. And he said, sure. So he picks me up. We go to uh, PJP Landfill. We go to where the, where the spot where the body is. He shows I've got a body camera on. I've got a hand in my phone. So I, wow. record, I record the whole thing. He shows me the exact location of where the body is. And he says that his father had buried the body in, a, in the 55-gallon drum, and then he had put 15 to 30 barrels, steel barrels, on top of it. So, the next, so then Frank and I were having dinner in January of 2020, 2020, and while we were having dinner, he was stricken and collapsed at the table oh. in New Jersey. And then I, I said, come on, let's take you to the hospital. And his girlfriend was there, and she took him. He refused to go to the hospital until the following day. Then, it, then he uh, was he was take he was uh, medevac to uh, uh, Hackensack Medical Center, uh, where he was put on a ventilator, put in a drug-induced coma, from which he never never came out. And so he died on March 16th. So we were in a situation where my key source was dead. But I have a good friend over at Fox News, a guy named Eric Sean. I'm not a big yeah, fan one of, of the Fox anchor News. guys. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of Fox News, but I but Eric Sean is a good and trusted friend of mine, and Eric has really owned this case since um, since 2001 as far as keeping it alive. Let me put it this way: Eric has kept this case alive since 2001 when he started working with Frank Sharon, who was the inspiration for the the Irishman. Of sure, who claims he shot off in the back of the head, right? Uh, it's it's a, it's it's a wonderful movie, uh, you know. Bad history. It's like Oliver Stone's movie JFK. Great cinema, terrible history. And so, um, so Eric and I started working, and I have a team: uh, Bo Carson from Carson Signature Films, Ari Mark from Ample Entertainment. Again, we're not accepting any money on this thing until the body is recovered and positively identified. I do not want any comparisons to what I'm doing with what Geraldo Rivera did back in 1980. Yeah, that's right, in his vault. With Al Capone's vault. There's no comparison there. I don't want anything unless I deserve it. What and can you so, do? What can you do to dig up that spot? Well, what Eric, what Eric and I did was we we got ground radar, ground penetrating radar. We went to the spot where Frank said the body was. It was sixty by sixty by sixty by sixty feet, about the size of a little league baseball diamond, and the ground radar de- equipment detected a twelve by fifteen foot pe- field of of uh, of steel drums. Oh my God! So that, that so, part of his story is absolutely true then. Which, well, which means the well, rest I've could been, be. True. I've, been, I've been I've been cooperating. I mean, ultimately, this would be I would be breaking so many laws, local, state, and federal, if I tried to dig this thing up myself. My team, Bo, Ari, and my team tried to dig. Can't this you thing get up. the feds to do it? Well, we've, we've I've been cooperating fully with law enforcement. I'm in a use it or lose it situation here right now, so I have been cooperating fully with the law enforcement community, and I at the local, state, and federal level, and. This is on. This is with them now. I, I I trust these guys. I know they're going to do the right thing. The spot is secure, and uh, I, I think that the FBI has their hands full right now. I think everybody will agree to that. I think that they have some pending 
uh, considerations that deal with what's happening right now in this century, yeah. as opposed to going along with me and trying to solve this unsolved this 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 unsolved mystery from the last century. So I think they're going to pick their moment to do this. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.